I, I think I've had to learn that actually what I do is significant for people mm. and not to just be like, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing, you know, like downplay it because actually songs yeah. really do get people through seasons and I've and I've had to learn to be like, it's actually really important and if I don't recognise its importance, I won't actually be able to kind of fully operate in the authority God's given me. The Profile with Premier Christianity magazine. Good afternoon. You are listening to Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Hales, editor of Premier Christianity magazine. That's the UK's leading Christian magazine. We are so excited to be publishing brand new content, both online and in print, talking to leading Christians from all walks of life, reviewing the latest Christian books, delving into the big theological issues, and also the most important issues facing wider society and culture. It's all from a Christian perspective, and you can access it all right now at premierchristianity.com. That's premierchristianity.com. But right here on the profile here on Premier Christian Radio, we have reached that time in the day where it is time to listen to a great conversation. And if you're a regular listener to this show, you will know that it is sponsored by Premier Christianity. And this week's episode is a little bit different because did you know that Premier also publishes Woman Alive? Yes, Premier Woman Alive magazine, real women, real lives real faith. It's a fantastic publication. I do encourage you to check it out at womanalive.co.uk. And the interview that you are about to hear this afternoon here on Premier Christian Radio is recorded by Woman Alive's deputy editor, Jemima Wright. Jemima has been in conversation with the prominent worship leader, singer, songwriter and artist, Lucy Grimble. Lucy Grimble has been leading worship and writing songs for over 10 years, both as a solo artist and also leading worship with a talented band of musicians and singers. Her heart in worship is to create a space for people to encounter the love of God. And her aim is to create a sound that unites people and ignites hearts to love God, love themselves and love one another more. Lucy, until recently, was based in London. In the interview you're about to hear, she talks a little bit about her move down to Devon and what God has been doing in her life of late. It's a really special conversation. Lucy Grimble in conversation with Woman Alive's deputy editor, Jemima Wright. So without any further ado, let's listen in to this week's episode of The Profile. This is Lucy Grimble in conversation with Jemima Wright. To start from the beginning, yeah. where were you born and brought up? Can you tell us a bit about your childhood? Yeah, so I was born in North London and lived there for a huge chunk of my life until I moved out after university. Um, yeah, so born and raised in London, basically. And was it a Christian household? Yeah, both both my parents um, were believers and... Um, yeah, I'd say faith was a massive part of our childhood. So yeah. my dad sort of read the Bible to us every night. We would pray together as a family and, you know, we grew up going to a local church all together. So yeah, faith was a big part of our... What, how many siblings do you have? Just one sibling, an older sister. Would you say that kind of you, you always were a Christian? How did you come to faith or did it become real? Or, you know, those steps of choosing mm. it yourself? Yeah. 
Um, I would say it became real actually when I was pretty young. So around the age of eight, um, the Toronto blessing happened. And so our little sleepy suburban Anglican church that was normally quite, you know, very punctual services, you knew exactly what to expect. Suddenly it was like this move of the spirit and services would just go on into like late into into the night. And, you know, the spirit was just moving in a very powerful way. Um, So I think aged eight, it was like this sort of eyes wide open moment. And I encountered the spirit for myself and just lots of lots of quite a kind of miraculous things happened. So I think that was like the start of, I guess, like encountering God for myself. But I would say it wasn't until I was about 16 that I kind of made the choice for myself. Um, And I had that realization that, you know, I can't just inherit faith from my parents, I have to choose this for myself. So yeah, that was more um, age 16. Just to go back to the Toronto blessing, because I remember that too. And I remember sometimes being scared because I didn't, because it was quite dramatic. Was it like that at your church? Yeah, it was. And you'd see these sort of mums or dads that you're just used to kind of seeing in a certain context as being very like put together and, you know, and then suddenly they'd be like falling over on the floor or like writhing around laughing and you'd be like, oh my God, it was like so undignified. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was kind of exciting though, I think, because it was just this, it was, it was so undeniably God. And I think there was something very kind of freeing about the whole thing, but yeah, also, also scary. I remember in our youth group when it would be like, um, you know, you haven't encountered the spirit if you've, unless you've fallen over. So like everyone was like trying to fall over, but like, I didn't yeah. want to. And, no. you know, it was just that kind of, there's that slight element of it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I guess like a bit scary. Yeah. So then you went to Cambridge. <laughs> so academically it was yeah. school. Uh, you must've been very strong academically. Did you have a good school time? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I went to haberdashers north of london in hertfordshire and i went there from age four so my whole education was like you know pretty intense and like high high achievement yeah um and yeah academics was a huge part of my upbringing and Mm. you know i think my parents are both very academic and what did they do well my dad's a professor (laughs) (laughs) in what subject in um clinical nutrition anyway so that's a whole other thing connection I was always really interested in the arts. You know, I did from the age of four, played lots of instruments. I was in like orchestras and choirs at school. So music was a huge part and drama as well. And I think just the way my brain is, I much preferred words and um, like creative ideas rather than science and, you know, logic. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I didn't really think about doing a, a science degree it was always going to be a humanity or yeah something in the arts so um, then was Bethel after you graduated yeah that was coming back from university yeah and what was that like that year to be honest it was actually really transformative I left university like not in a good headspace I, I kind of for some reason even though you know I'd gone to like the top university like in the in the world yeah. 
and I had, you know, job offers on the table and I had master's offers on the table, but I just had absolutely no peace inside. And I just had this huge sense of dread about the future. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I couldn't, like, I just, I just felt like, oh, I'm I'm just going to be such a failure and just really like, it was just all identity stuff, you know, like coming out and yeah, just like low self-confidence, um, just struggling to believe that the future could be good. Mm. <laughs> and then my sister had done Bethel and she'd come back from her first year there. And then during that summer, um, some of her friends from Bethel came and stayed at our house and we went to, I think, New Wine and I was just like so blown away by these people. I, it kind of annoyed me because they were so hopeful and so positive. Yeah. And I was just like, you're just all faking it. Like there's no way that you're that happy and that, you know, that hopeful. And, and they were just so kind to me and like they'd prophesy over me and they'd just encourage me. And I was like, you know, you know, and it's like you're kind of resisting it, but you also really want it. And so one night I was just chatting to my sister and and she was like, have you considered doing Bethel? And it was just like a light bulb moment. and two weeks later I was on the plane felt like an intervention from God and and that whole first year at Bethel is about identity and like growing in your understanding of who you are in Christ and so I just really feel like it was exactly what I needed at that critical point in my life where it was like you know you're stepping out into the future yeah yeah this is the foundation you need to know who you are but yeah at that point also was music in the background or did you or were you thinking no I'm going to get a career in the secular world and oh yeah no I was fully like going into the corporate world um it didn't even cross my mind kind of because of our family dynamic and yeah you know with my parents being so kind of um I guess like in such like stable yeah impressive careers and like that was a whole journey to kind of because I I was in the corporate world for 10 years Mm. um and yeah, at that point, I would never have had the confidence or never have dreamt of like actually going into music. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I had But to... in the background, were you, you learned an instrument. What did you do at school yeah. and at Cambridge? Did you, was there music kind of like, were you in yeah. a choir or that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, at school I was, I was a music scholar. So I, oh, I had my... to sort of, I did loads of music, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of, um, all classical um, and I played the flute and um, the piano, the recorder <laughs> to grade eight. Well done. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then I was in a jazz band as well. So my I spent like half of my school career like in the music department. Yeah. Um, so it was always a huge feature, but mm. it just, you know, I just never thought that it could be a career. Um, yeah. Or like, you know, I never thought it could be something that you you did as your day to day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then worship was at that point, like graduating wasn't really, um, I mean, I love to worship. I would just sit on my own at the piano and just worship. And that was always like how I connected with God the most. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of always been that even since being a child, I just always loved um, worship. Mm-hmm. So um, privately, worship was a huge part of my like yeah my way to connect with God but publicly I wasn't leading any worship at that point so then what was the transition from corporate PR yeah so that I came back from Bethel and then I joined a church called Commonwealth Christian Fellowship led by Rod and Julie Anderson 
which was this sort of very just an amazing church it's like it's hard to sort of describe but yeah it was this it's it was like an amazing like hugely dynamic hugely um creative church um and that's where I started to to like be involved in worship because their worship pastor sort of sidled up to me one day and he was like do you sing and I was like um uh uh you know I do like a word of knowledge on his part I don't know. I don't know. That's, but, no one's um, ever come up to me and said, do you sing? That's fine. <laughs> that yeah, maybe it was. Yeah. And actually, to be honest, I kind of, because I was like just in awe of this worship team, you know, it was like majority black um, church with like, you know, these powerhouse like gospel vocalists. Wow. And I was just like, well, I could never do that. You know, that's not my voice. Like I've got a really little voice. And um, so when he asked, I was like, I, I mean, I do a bit, but not like that. You know, I can't, I can't really do that. Um, but anyway, he was just like, I, I'd love you to join the team and like come along to rehearsals. So kind of came along and then, wow. and then like as the months went on, um, I led worship for the first time. Yeah. And was it that, you know, both those things, was it terrifying or did, and did you feel like, wow, this is what I'm made to do? Or was it just like, I'm just doing this because he's asked me to do it? <laughs> no it was definitely the former I mean I was like shaking from head to toe but also yeah. it felt like it just felt like gosh this is like holy ground like you know it was this kind of it felt so significant and it felt like I am meant to do this but it also felt like this is also the scariest place mm. you could put me um so yeah it was definitely that that like combination of the two that's such a massive thing I've heard Nikki Gumbel say about preaching that like it, it it's not his natural he he's doing yeah. it he's being obedient he's got god's called him to do it so he's doing it but it's not a uh, in, in he's not the the character type that would find that easy yeah but yeah there's something beautiful in that because you have to really lean into god oh yeah big time yeah and i think that that's been that's been such a journey for me in terms of because it, it it's i like i don't really love um the limelight I don't really I don't feel particularly natural like in front of a crowd um you know I'd much rather be like behind the scenes and in a support role or something like that but yeah um I've had to like that whole like leaning on God thing I've definitely had to grow in that and just like learning to like healthily manage the fact that there are people staring at you (laughs) um yeah and not let that kind of feel yeah just not let that put you off or or distract you from what you're meant to be doing you know was the um the because I feel like to just go back to Bethel I feel like they have got such a they do it so well there Mm. uh um I don't know, but you weren't thinking of even doing worship at that point, so you you probably weren't. No, I went. I mean, I I went to the I went to a worship audition and walked straight out because <laughs> it was, it was like the X Factor, you know. They were oh sat gosh, at yeah. this long table, and then you had to stand on the huge stage and like lead a song. And I was like, no way, that's terrifying. I can't do that. Yeah. No. So yeah, I I signed up, but I never actually yeah. did the audition. <laughs> So then, so moving on, you are working in PR. Yeah. Um, you're doing some worship at church. At, at what point did you feel led to give up everything to do music full time? I, I think it was 2019, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it was the end of 2018. So sort of January 2019, I, okay. I went full time into ministry, and um, yeah, I mean that was that was just like a big, you know. I think as as I started to lead worship at Commonwealth. 
um, I was working in the city um, and then sort of one thing led to another and I got connected with the David's Tent guys and I got invited to kind of come and lead worship at David's Tent. So from like year one, I've been involved with David's wow. Tent. Um, and I think it was just this kind of like doors would just open and I'd have more and more opportunities to lead worship and I just absolutely loved it. And, you know, the weekends would be spent like leading worship and then back to my desk on Monday morning. And I'd be like, yeah. as the years went on, that just felt increasingly like, um, oh, I feel like there's a split happening and I, and I have to choose. Yeah. Um, and, and also kind of in 2014, I recorded my first EP. So it wasn't just that I was leading okay. worship. It was also that I was writing songs that like, urge to write was just so strong and actually I would say to this day that is like you know that's like the thread because I, I started writing when I was 16 so I started writing songs um just like in my bedroom oh, not wow. for anyone to listen to you know I there are a few artists that I listened to when I was in my teenage years that just really impacted me and I was like I love that honesty I love the who are they the way they write so there's one in particular um a lady called India Ari who's beautiful beautiful writer beautiful singer and um i remember listening to her and just thinking oh she's just so brave to say these things in song and um so yeah I, that's i started writing when i was 16 and okay. so that then was like another thread that led to me then recording this ep in 2014 and then that ep kind of got a bit of um i guess like it was just heard by a number of people and then they would then invite me to come and lead worship and it just felt like a sort of yeah what's this gathering a stone gathering moss um yeah. kind of thing and yeah and then i went on to do three more albums before i left my job but i think it was just it was just this growing sense inside me of like maybe this is actually my calling you know and i think i just i dismissed it so much you know, I'd, I'd always just like downplayed it and being like, no, 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 this is just like, I don't know. I didn't know where to place it. Um, but I think there was like, there's like that internal switch where it's like, no, no, this is actually what I'm meant to do. Mm. Like, and you have to actually really own that. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, yeah it took me, took me only, only took me 10 years. <laughs> but I bet nothing is wasted. I bet that PR, that 10 years in PR was important oh big bet, time yeah yeah big and what time. god was doing in those 10 years letting your roots go deep in yeah. him um yeah it's funny how we we think that creative careers are not an option like you yeah yeah it's so true yeah um, yeah so back yeah. onto your writing lyrics um yeah. and your songs uh, one of my favorites is the one still i will praise mm. because the lyrics are just so powerful because it's such mm. truth I'm going to yeah. speak them out. That's um, the bit where it says, you're still God in the wilderness. You're still God in the pain. You are the God who is still with me when all else is stripped away. And that feels mm. like that is, that is, you're not talking about someone else. You have lived that and you have mm. chosen to believe he is God when your circumstances don't yeah. show it. Can you yeah. share anything, any experience where that, you know, don't worry if it's too personal, but anything mm. that you have had to hold on to God, he showed himself faithful yeah um well that's that song was actually written with um like a dear friend um who's also a, a singer songwriter called bianca rose 
And I think when we got together to write that song, um, both of us were just in like, both of us just felt quite far from God, but like really wanted to connect back with him. But it was almost like, we don't know how to like get back to you, God. We don't know how to find you. And um, so, yeah, I think it, it wasn't necessarily like a specific story or like it wasn't necessarily a specific hardship it was more a kind of general sense of like we're trying these we're trying what we normally try but somehow it's just like god feels far or yeah you know um and i think but but then i think it's it's like with that song it's almost like you collect up all the times that you felt like that all the times that you felt kind of a bit dry or or like um you know you just can't yeah you just can't really um marry up the person of god with your present circumstances yeah um so yeah that was sort of the inspiration for the song but i don't know i think i would probably like when i was at uni Mm. that was like i actually found university really really hard in 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 some ways i found it amazing like i loved studying because i'm quite a geek um but I found it really hard spiritually and really hard in terms of, you know, like ending up coming out of university with like this really real sense of dread and like just feeling quite lost and feeling like, you know, oh gosh, the future's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was like a lot of, um, just a lot of confusion and a lot of um, un- unpicking of like who I thought I was up until that point. Mm-hmm. So um and I remember like being in a church service one one morning and and kind of saying to God, like, I'm just really not hungry for you, but I want to be hungry for you. And that's all I can give you right now. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Like, I can't like manufacture hunger. I can't work it up, but I can be honest and say, like, I, I really do want to be hungry. Like, that's where I want to be. But then, you know, and then God would show up. Um, like, I remember kind of getting ready to go out one evening and it was just like, the presence of the Lord out of nowhere. I was just like hanging up some clothes. And then the next minute I was just like on the floor, <laughs> just like couldn't get up. And I was like, okay, like you have my attention. Yeah. So it was this real like intermingling of like, yeah, you know, of feeling incredibly dry, but then also like God would just like remind me that he is there. And yeah, I don't know if that's answered your question. That it's has answered it perfectly. It's walking by faith, not by sight, when you're not feeling. It's when yeah. the things aren't there, but still going yeah. and following. Which of these topics has not been covered on PremierChristianity.com? UFOs, near-death experiences, Doctor Who, Christ's return, the faith of celebrities, and Andrew Tate. Trick question. We don't shy away from any topic. We cover faith as it affects us in daily life and give you the bigger picture. PremierChristianity.com Special podcast subscription offer at PremierChristianity.com slash podcast. Okay, so the next question is about celebrity and you've just said you hate the limelight. But you're in a role where you're put in the limelight, you're put on a pedestal Mm. and and celebrity culture is a nightmare. How how Mm. coped with that? What's your journey? yeah it is a real it is a real nightmare um i think you just have to i don't know i think um there's a few things that keep me grounded 
um like my family keep me really grounded because yeah. <laughs> they're kind of I mean they are impressed and they're really proud of me but they're not like you know they just like get on with their lives and then you know occasionally they'll be like oh how was that thing? you know they're just not like bigging me up yeah. and also I've, I've had a very stable group of friends for mm. well since I was at school basically so yeah. again like journeying with people that have known you from when you were like annoying and a teenager to like now um also really helps to keep you grounded yeah. um and i think it's honestly that keep maintaining that sense of like my vision of god has to always be bigger than anything else like my understanding or like my reverence and awe for like the beauty and the majesty of jesus is like that's what i'm always like working to keep as like the number one thing yeah that like when i say like he is lord that is really true because i think when you've got that right like when you've got that in place then you're just not impressed with yourself um and you just don't you know people can say really really lovely things and really encourage you and all that stuff but it's like that's beautiful but like there's one that's m more beautiful yeah I remember like brooke Fraser sharing this story of like, you know, when people compliment her or, or say really great things about her, it's like she's collecting up these flowers um, to make into like this really big bouquet. And then at the end of the day, like she gives the bouquet back to God. And I just think that's so beautiful. It's like we don't hold on to the praise of man. We don't like store it up. We just like, you know, you've got to honor and receive it because actually that it's I, I think I've had to learn that actually what I do is significant for people mm. and not to just be like, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing, you know, like downplay yeah. it because actually songs yeah. really do get people through seasons. And I've, and I've had to learn to be like, it's actually really important. And if I don't recognize its importance, I won't actually be able to kind of fully operate in the authority God's given me. But at the same time, like it's always knowing where that has come from that, you know, you don't praise the, the house you praise the architect of the house um so yeah i think just having that right trying to like see god rightly and all, all those things and just really maintain him as like lord of my life mm. um so yeah that's sort of what's that's really good what helps me yeah um on the back of that it's what is the largest and you've done um spring harvest and stuff what is the largest mm. kind of event you've had to play at not had to play at but you, you um, led worship at yeah yeah um Wembley arena would be the oh, largest <laughs> how many people is in Wembley like 10,000 oh my goodness yeah and the Royal Albert Hall as well and again I think I've had to like just learn to be like okay god well you've put me here so yeah. you're gonna have to equip me <laughs> or like you already have equipped me because like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't like yeah you know if you, you hadn't put, put me, me here. here so yes so i think again it's just been that journey of learning to just be like just just lean on god like yeah. just go on go on stage be yourself like just trust that god is gonna actually give you the grace to do this um yeah. so yeah that's that's probably the biggest it's just funny how god opens up these um connections because i you know I just for some reason I've been invited to so many Nigerian churches like in this last year yeah. and me and Sinatch were singing at the same event in Basingstoke of all places and um 
we've got some mutual friends like the my label in nashville the guy the head of a and r there loves sinatch and like he also has just been like a massive supporter of me so he's always like i want you guys to meet and wow. and i've been like yeah but she's in nigeria like i don't know how this is going to happen and then we meet in basingstoke oh my um, and she just you know we just sort of didn't say much to each other but like it was just like she gave me a big hug and it was really lovely and then yeah we were at another event together i think in manchester and then out of the blue she sort of rang me and she was like i really want you to sing on my album and i was like what it was like me israel houghton um travis green and i just i say this thing yeah. like not to boast i just say it to be like look at god because yeah. i could not money i was like israel houghton <laughs> so like, this is mad connected to still i will praise it's a declaration of who god is and that when we circumstances are saying one thing, his timing's perfect. He is still yeah. good. I love it. Um, yeah. So can you share the story behind that song? Yeah. Yeah. So actually that song is a few years old. And um, I think, gosh, what I, is, I'm actually trying to remember and go back to where I was when I wrote it. Um, I think I was... I was definitely in like some kind of waiting season. Um, but I think I was also reflecting and, and, and that song has sort of just come back to me over the years because it's not just like the perfect timing of God when you're waiting, but sometimes it's the perfect timing of God when he actually accelerates stuff yeah. or he gives you like, he opens doors that you're, you don't feel ready for. So I think it was just that, and I've not really heard that, sort of spoken about or sung about it's normally like oh god like um why are you making me wait so long like almost like hope deferred makes the heart sick but mm -hmm. i i think a couple of things were happening to me um that reinvigorated the song for me where, where it was like these suddenly moments where I'd, I'd be sort of um given these opportunities that felt like way too big for me or like i just really wasn't ready and i had to just trust that okay yeah. well you know what you're doing and you you have enough grace for this and you're just going to equip me and I've just got to trust wow. and lean so hard yeah um so yeah I think it was um it was that reflection of like the timing of God mm. the timing of God is perfect but it doesn't it sometimes slash often you think you're not ready to us yeah. yeah 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 um but actually yeah he, he really does and I think you know with with moving out to um to Devon um that was sort of a process of really like for me and tom because because actually so I'd, I'd written the song and then we kind of brought it into the album process and then tom sort of helped to rework it quite a lot mm. um and i think it was after getting married and we were working on the album together and i think almost the song became like more of like a, our shared song because oh, we were sort yeah. of you know we were, we were married we were living in london yeah we were in this one one bed flat we were looking for what's the next thing yeah um tom was absolutely desperate to get out of london he's like a country boy at heart so yeah. he was feeling very like just i guess very claustrophobic in london and like there wasn't you know we were trying yeah. to make this album with like no space and oh yeah yeah and anyway um and then even like the house hunt was just again like having to trust the timing of god and how, how are you yeah. going to do this god and then it was funny actually because um the song came out so so we'd been looking 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 and then we found this house at auction and we saw it a week before the auction 
happened. Yeah. And so we were just down on holiday in South Devon with some of our best friends. And then Tom found this on Right Move and he was like, should we just go and see it seeing as we're in Devon? We both came and saw it and we just had such a huge sense of peace about the house, even though there's so many things that need doing to it. And, you know, in, in many ways, we're like, gosh, this is quite overwhelming as a project. Yeah. But we just felt like, let's just let's just give it a go. Like, let's go for the auction. So we did, and it was like an online auction, and um, which is a funny experience because it's like you're on eBay, just like oh my god, when you've got it, oh my gosh, that is stressful. <laughs> so um, we just sort of, you know, the, the countdown timer is going. It's like ten minutes to go, and Tom was like, "Should we just, should we just worship?" So we just like put the laptop aside and we just like spent some time worshiping and praying. And then we came back and it was like three minutes to go. And he was like, okay, are we going to do this? And we were like, let's do it. So we like start to bid and then someone like outbids us. And then we like bid a bit more outbids us. And then we hit the reserve price and everybody went silent. And we were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like we're accidentally buying a house. Oh my maybe gosh. accidentally. And um, anyway, we won the auction and, from then to moving in was like a month which in the world of like house moves is like unbelievably quick so that's an example of like this you know the suddenly of god and it's so perfect like the house is so perfect for us but then the song came out like i think the day that we got the keys or there was like this weird synchronicity about like the song was coming out and then i was listening to it and just reminded again of like late and bloom or suddenly and like the, these suddenly moments where you just have to you feel like you're free falling but you just have to totally lean and trust on in in god so yeah the, that is so cool so we yeah. we haven't covered the fact that you were a um were you the worship pastor at was it in Brooklyn? commonwealth oh yeah oh, in Brooklyn. yeah yeah st peter's st peter's Brooklyn. for, for how yeah. long how long did you do that um three years okay yeah and that's so Tom's obviously a musician how did you guys meet did you know each other for years beforehand or tell us no (laughs) well um so we met in properly we met in the winter of 2019 um we were essentially set up by our best friends who we now live 20 minutes down the road from in Devon at the time I was living with Molly, who's my best friend, and she was dating Felix, who was really good friends with Tom. And Tom had sort of, I think, seen me from afar and then was sort of, because he was friends with Felix, he met Molly. And then he was like, so tell me about your flatmate, Lucy. And um, and yeah, and then Molly arranged this dinner party for like 10, 12 people, um, which was, it's like a sing for your supper. So you all, everyone had to like sing a song or read a poem or you know, so share cool. something around the table. Wow. And so Tom and I actually sang, um, it's really cute, but we sang the Lord's my shepherd Psalm 23, which has kind of become like the song for our marriage. Um, and it was just like a really sweet thing. And I, and we sat next to each other at the dinner and we just got on so well. And then that it was like over the Christmas period. And then there were lots of like Christmas parties and carol services. And we just would end up being at them at the same place, same time, same place kind of thing. And so, yeah, we just chatted loads. And then over the Christmas holidays, we were just messaging lots. And then we went on our first date in January. And, and then COVID. And then COVID. But thankfully we lived 
10 minutes down the road from each other. Okay. And Tom also knew my other flatmate. So we sort of formed a bubble where, because he was living on his own, so he could come and go without risk of, you know, infecting anyone. And then, you know, so it meant that we could still see each other. And then he was working for St. Peter's as well. So he basically became my sound engineer in lockdown. And then we were like both volunteering at church together. So, yeah. So you could see a lot of each other. Um, Then when did you actually get married? We got married in 2022. 2022. And then um, you just said that you kind of worked together on the perfect timing single. Yeah. Do you have plans, or maybe the album is the two of you together, but do you have plans to do anything like both of you leading worship? I know with Alex Hutton, you were both, yeah. um, you were singing together, weren't you, at her festival? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was so nice. Yeah, I don't I don't know if we'll like formally do something together. I feel mm. like we, behind the scenes, we are, you know, very supportive of one another's music. And, yeah. you know, Tom, there was three producers on this album, um me tom and then a guy called drew um so you know tom was really hands-on and he played all the guitars on the album and must be yeah, so maybe. nice to have him in the room maybe oh yeah yeah it is so nice sometimes very annoying as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah it goes both ways <laughs> yeah his husbands can say things to you that others couldn't i know you don't want to hear it <laughs> exactly oh <laughs> uh, yeah um okay so now you're in Devon what do you what's God saying for the future what's next for you guys yeah well so we sort of we bought this house to really be a place to I guess like our dream is to really host um well host the presence of God but host people um host creative adventures um we want this to be a place where people can come and worship and rest and create and build community. So that is really the big dream. Um, so really we're just the, the real focus of the next few years is like developing this house so it can become a really wonderful place. Um, and I'm going to keep writing. Um, I know, I really know that that's like the number one thing that I need to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess like I've been toying with the idea for ages of like teaching more, you know, I, I do kind of teach, you know, I just I went to Holland last month to teach on songwriting and I'm going to Lithuania in January and there's more like opportunities opening yeah. up to share about that. And um, it's quite ad hoc at the moment, but maybe to sort of develop that a bit more is like actually a thing yeah. that I do. Um, but yeah, I guess I would just love to, you know, I'm, I'm working um, for my local church here. Okay, yeah. I just I, I just love to kind of serve communities mm. and serve, I guess, serve people around, like helping them to develop in their own worship um, or in songwriting. So, yeah, I think a mixture of me writing, mm-hmm. me investing into other people and then creating this house to be a place that people can come to. Is there any God story or anything that God's done in your life that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share? I mean, this album is really dear to me. So the album is called Between the Shadow and the Sun. Mm -hmm. And whereas like previous albums have been much more sort of congregational worship focused, this album is much more of a sort of listening album. So much more kind of 
me sharing like perfect timing kind of testimony songs um and i started to write it in lockdown um i started to write it from a place of really i guess wrestling with a lot of questions around faith mm-hmm. um you know there's periods where it's almost like you have to refind god <laughs> it's like you know he's there but it just feels like the whole the, all of the scenery has changed and you have to like refind him and I really just was so drawn to, you know, I guess being locked in, physically locked indoors, I would just sit on my balcony every morning and it was thank- thankfully summer and the light would just sort of stream through and there'd be like little sparrows on the balcony and I'd just sit and read and journal and yeah. um, read the Bible and just sort of reflect and just that light um, and the the sort of consistency of the sunrise was, it just spoke to me so deeply and I think I just started to really reflect on a lot of the scriptures around light and darkness and how, you know, Jesus is described as, you know, the light of heaven, like in revelation, like there will be no need for, for light because Jesus will be the light himself. And, but then also the Psalms where David is like, you know, darkness and light are the same to you. Like you, you find me whether I'm in the darkness or in the light. And so I was just reflecting on this idea of like the tensions and the, intermingling of light and dark and how like as we go through life we can't escape either you know um physically but also I guess metaphorically like the the light and shade of of life it always feels like it's not even like I'm going through a good patch or I'm going through a bad patch but it's like even in a good patch there's still bad stuff happening and and vice versa so I guess I was like playing with like that tent the tension between the two and Mm -hmm effectively it just took me on this big journey of like um getting to the heart of the album it's all about kind of learning to trust and like learning to grow in trust in every season of the soul and i guess just being really honest about that being honest about the fact that it's not easy to grow in trust like it actually takes work to trust to trust god sometimes it's not just like i'll just trust you yeah it's like okay trusting you means i have to die to myself Mm. trusting you means i have to like really actively choose you when everything is saying to like not choose you right now and just like rely on myself or rely on this other thing which seems way more stable so all of this was like happening in the in the pandemic and and so yeah um, i was starting to write these songs and um the album sort of follows the, the course of a day so like the opening song is called ready for the dawn Mm. which was the first song that i wrote um on the album and the last song is this song called now and forever which i wrote from a poem um i was sat in dorset just looking at this beautiful um beautiful valley as the sun was setting and like it was like this fog was rolling in and i wrote this poem about what i was seeing and um it's it's a song about kind of the eternal um beauty of of god and the fact that he is this mystery and he is this constantly unfolding and we will never ever understand all of him and we're always on this journey of like growing and understanding of what he's like so um it's sort of bookended by these these two songs and then this the the journey of the album takes you through kind of the course of the day and also the course of the day is meant to be like the journey through life Mm. um so yeah, it's quite a it's quite it's quite a kind of conceptual album, I would say. Yeah. Um, but I'm but really also quite that... raw. I mean, if it's it's mm. from 
it's your you said it's more testimony so that's yeah. is it harder to do that because you have to be more vulnerable or totally deep into yourself to yeah yeah big time and I, I mean, I, so many times the album did not happen because I would just be like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And Tom would have to be like, you can, this album is so important and you yeah. have to do this. Yeah. And also it's the first album I've done with a label. So oh. I was so blessed to have these two A&Rs, one in the UK, one in Nashville. A&R is? Oh, sorry, um, artist and repertoire. So they're basically okay. the ones within a label that look after artists okay. and help them to yeah release projects mm-hmm. um but yeah i had these two guys just also really championing me and and being like this is a really important album that you have to do mm-hmm. so without those guys i would have given up like mm-hmm. many times because i was like no but i'm a worship leader i shouldn't be writing this kind of song like i should be writing you know songs that people can sing at church and yeah and it felt it did feel a lot more vulnerable and i think just personally i was feeling in such a more fragile space and you know other albums I've come to a lot stronger mm-hmm. and this album I felt like was written from weakness yeah. which actually I think yeah. is is really beautiful because yeah. we need to hear that side of the people that we are like we need okay. to hear that side of our leaders you know so um and it will people will connect with it because many people have similar emotions so yeah well yeah yeah you're giving them words for what they're feeling which is amazing yeah, I think that's, I think, I really hope it sort of feels like empathy. Mm. I think that was the thing, like when people listen to it, that they feel empathised with and that they can, yeah, like you say, like they can connect with it. So, yeah, I'm excited for this album. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine. <laughs>